Penn State football taking on Illinois this Saturday for homecoming at Beaver Stadium. And as always, we want to get you a breakdown of the opponent that week for Penn State football here on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Joining me today from Illinois, it's Scott Ritchie of the News Gazette to give us an idea of what's going on with first-year head coach at Illinois, Brett Bielema. Scott, thank you for coming on the show today. Appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me. So I know that this has been something that just about everyone in the college football world has talked about this week at some point, and you've probably talked about it quite a bit. Uh, Brett Bielema's press conference today, or excuse me, earlier this week, he said something that uh, was rather interesting, I, I think. Uh, and I I'm, I'm going to play you. It's about a minute, 10 seconds. I want to play for everyone who, in case you didn't see it or you didn't see the quotes, I want to see what he said earlier this week when talking to the media. You're only as good as your roster, right? I kind of learned that the first time I went to the Kentucky Derby, right? Nobody was betting on the jockeys. Everybody was betting on the horses, right? So um, to win the Derby, you got to have the right horse. And, and um, I think our players uh, are, are going to be a reflection of what our program stands for. And, and um, you know, I, I stood at the front of the room last year when I took over and said everybody is invited back because of COVID. They gave me the opportunity to do that. But as this roster continues to transition, um, I've got to make tough decisions. Players have to make decisions. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the roster is going to have to change to get to where we want to be to win the championship. So I recognize that probably uh, midway through the spring last year, through the summer, um, just certain positions haven't uh, uh, maybe played out the way they envisioned them to. Um, in particular, the offensive line, I don't believe we have a player in the two deep um, uh, that, that they've recruited here over the last three years that is really significantly doing anything for us uh, in the playing department. And that's a, that's a major concern, right? So. Uh, that's something that we have to do. Um, uh, top two quarterbacks that have played to this point are both transfers, right? Um, so there hasn't been any development uh, at that position that, that uh, is significantly playing right now. Um, Isaiah was that guy, but he's obviously playing a wider position, wide receiver position in Deuce. So defensively, we knew there was going to be an evolution just kind of on the style of defense that we played. Uh, we got to definitely get a lot of uh, bigger bodies, I believe, up front to get what we want to get done to play in this league at a, at a consistent level. So. So those are his comments about his roster in in some specificity, I might add. Uh, this is still the kind of get-to-know-you phase for Brett Bielema in uh, the Illinois media and with the fans. So I want to ask you, how do you think and how did, to what you've seen, the fans interpret what he said about his players there? Well, in any situation like this, there's going to be a reaction from and maybe both sides of the argument, but the majority, I guess, just based on social media, and that's an awful thing sometimes, you know, saw it as Brett Bielma throwing you know, at least his offensive line and quarterbacks under the bus. Um, I don't think that was the intent. I think it was more an indictment of Lovey Smith's coaching staff and maybe you know the recruiting you know, misses over the last few years, and there have been a ton, and, you know, Lovey's recruiting classes were ranked in the bottom of the Big Ten as his you know, final seasons in Champaign played out. Um, got a chance to talk with a couple of players yesterday. Um, we'll get another opportunity to do that today. Um, they didn't take offense to that. You know, I think they, you know, Doug Kramer, you know, offensive lineman, six-year player, you know, just said it was a little bit of noise on a Monday. Um, so I don't think you know, inside you know that that building that you know, there's any kind of controversy you know, you know Doug Kramer Chase Brown and starting running back you know 
people said they were firmly behind you know Brett Bielma. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you I mean, take it? How, how how did you interpret that? And, and what is there any context of what we should know about maybe the question or what people were talking about that kind of led to this in the press conference? Um, I mean, a lot of Monday's press conference was you know, sort of focused on recruiting because of the, the bye week last week and you know, coaches were out and um, you got a chance to evaluate some players. And it's, uh, I mean, that's a big part of what, Brett Bielma is doing, you know, right now it's, you know, he is trying to build a program and, you know, a bye week was a perfect opportunity to go out and, and sell, you know, his vision for Illinois football. Um, he has more context, you know, especially on the offensive line. I mean, of their top seven linemen, four are fifth year players and Doug Kramer, the starting center is a sixth year player. They're all gone next mm. year. And you know, the, the cupboard is bare behind them a little bit, you know, Julian Pearl, you know, and like, I, I'm not sure, you know, with the bonus of eligibility, I honestly don't know how many more years he can be here. Like, it's just, it's thrown, like the eligibility <laughs> question is just, you know, kind of crazy, but like yeah. he's got, he's got two more years at least after this. So he stepped into a bigger role. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of it. And I mean, I, that's the context that maybe was missing. If you don't maybe understand the roster, but just, I guess personally, I mean, the, what Brett Bielma said is, I think what every first-year coach is probably thinking. I mean, it's you know, it's a brand new group of players to him, and you know, it's maybe they don't fit what you know he's trying to do. That could be any coach. It's just um, you don't often hear the quiet part said out loud. Yeah, and yeah, that's exactly and, how I think it's. It that's a fair way to phrase that. Absolutely. Well, Brett Bielma, I mean, just from getting, you know, a chance to know him a little bit, and I would kind of jumped back into football, you know, later. I had sort of shifted over just to basketball only, kind of when he was hired, but um, got back involved, you know, this summer. And so I haven't had as, op- as much opportunity to get to know him, but he just strikes me as kind of a straight shooter that says what he thinks, and he did that on Monday. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say. Uh, and, and I want to get to that a little bit later when we talk about the defensive line because his comments there at the end to me, when we when we talk about some of those situations, I think are a little bit more uh, nuanced than the offensive line because just from what we've seen on film, uh, the offensive line in general, there's been some, I think it's fair to say, up and down play. How would you assess their play so far this season as far as what they've tried to do and how they've done it? Just from an offensive line standpoint? Sure, um, yeah, yeah. I think run blocking has been pretty solid, and you know, that's shown in you know, a couple of games. You know, Purdue, you know, where Josh McCray you know, kind of had his breakout performance, and I mean, he's obviously a a huge back and hard to bring down, but, you know, he had some big holes. And then, you know, again in Charlotte, you know, Chase Brown rushed for 257 yards and, you know, he made a lot of that happen, you know, a lot of yards after contact. But again, the offensive line, you know, blocked pretty well in the run game. Their pass protection has been an issue. Um, they haven't given up a ton of sacks. Um, more to Brandon Peters and Art Sikowski because Brandon has a tendency to hold on to the ball a little too mm-hmm. long. But, the both quarterbacks, whoever's whoever's playing, you know, they both played about equally because of injuries to Brandon Peters. They're getting pressured a lot, um, so there's there's some issues there that have cropped up, and 
I'm not sure what the answer is because you're looking at you know a lot of guys that are playing a lot of college football. It's just yeah. it's not it's not happening for them and in, in pass pro, um, which is sort of just not happening in the passing game in general. You know, for Illinois, you know, from the quarterbacks not making the throws to the receivers, not being able to create separation to, to the offensive line, maybe not be able to protect. And that that has been, I think, one of my biggest takeaways about the offense from uh, from that position. Uh, the quarterback situation, I know Brandon Peters was injured in the last game, and some of the things that Brad Bielema said almost sounded exactly like what James Franklin said this week about his quarterback situation. So uh, do you have any sort of update from what Bielema said earlier this week? Uh, and and what would you expect this Saturday from that position for Illinois? Well, Brandon Peters was not cleared to start practice on Tuesday, and Brett Bielma said that he didn't really anticipate that happening. And even if it did happen, say, later in the week, say if Brandon was medically cleared on Friday, that's not enough time, maybe in practice, you know, it wouldn't be in practice at all, but uh, just to throw him in there against Mm -hmm. Penn State, having not gone through the reps in the the specific game plan. So I anticipate Art Sikowski starting um, again, you know, in his sort of backup, but not the backup role. And I don't know that there's going to be a huge difference because neither has been super efficient or effective in the passing game. And again, it's not all on the quarterbacks. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces to the passing game and there's not maybe moving in in harmony right now. Um, But the one thing that Arjuskowski does bring and has brought this year the team seems to rally around him maybe better than they do Brandon Peters. You know, he's mm-hmm. arts just, he's more of a vocal leader. I and mean, that's just, that's just not Brandon's personality. And it never has been. Um, the coaching staff really pushed Brandon in the off season to kind of be a little more vocal and, and be a better leader. And I think to mixed results, but art has some fire. Um, doesn't, hasn't always, you know, meant wins and, in fact, just one, you know, because he as he closed out the that Nebraska game, but you know, he'll stand in the pocket, take some shots, try to complete passes. I mean, he it's just uh, the effectiveness just hasn't been there. But you know, he he certainly you know gives everything that he's got. Uh, and you you mentioned the receivers maybe not creating separation. What what's the situation there as far as uh, you know, I know that a couple of quarterbacks have moved to receiver, but also there's, you know, I think you you mentioned some moving parts. Is it fair to give an evaluation of them so far or, you know, because of those things? Or is it genuinely receivers aren't creating separation? There's not guys to throw to. So that creates another layer of difficulty for the quarterback. I mean, I, mean, I think it's fair at halfway through the season to at least evaluate some. And I think the main issue for Illinois is the top two receivers this year were quarterbacks in the spring. And that's, I mean, that that's tends concern. to be an issue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Isaiah yeah. Williams and Deuce Span have, have made plays, but they're still really just learning the position, yeah. especially a Deuce Span. Cause you know, we entered that week zero game against Nebraska thinking he was still a backup quarterback. And then all of a sudden he's on the field as a receiver, you know, which they had I mean, training camp was closed this year. I don't know for the first time in decades. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't really get an opportunity to see what was happening behind the behind closed doors, and do span as a wide receiver was one of those things that was happening. Um, you know, Casey Washington has had some moments, um, but 
it's just there haven't been enough. I mean, a guy like Donnie Navarro, who had been kind of a, a staple piece over the last couple of years, just hasn't really done much. You know, Brian Hightower was one of the best receivers on the team last year, and you know he was hurt um, heading into the season, uh, but is healthy now and just is still not playing. You know, Jafar Armstrong they brought in from Notre Dame to add some depth to that receiver group was also hurt you know, early in the year. Again, healthy, just not playing. Um, so it's you know, they totally rebuilt that receiver room, and I, th- I think this just it wasn't ready, you know, for right for the football season. So to end on a positive note, you've touched them on them already, but the tailback situation seems like it is one of the bright spots for uh, the team. And, and and what do they have there? And do you think that those players uh, can threaten the Penn State defense? on Saturday with, you know, knowing they might have to shoulder a large part of the load no matter who the quarterback is for Illinois. Yeah, I mean, I think they have two, like, legitimate options in Chase Brown and Josh McCray, and, you know, they're, they're different, which is which is good. You know, Chase Brown is maybe more of the dynamic athlete, and, you know, he's quick, but, you know, also has some strength and can break tackles. And, and then Josh McCray is, I mean, essentially a tank, you know, 6'1", 240, <laughs> and... Like just super hard to bring down, and he runs hard. If he can get downhill, you know he's t- he's tough to stop, and he's got a little burst, you know too. So, you know, they're good. You know, and as I mentioned, you know, run blocking has been pretty decent. Um, you know, two weeks ago in Wisconsin, you know, they just punted essentially on the run game. You know, the the they threw on every down on the first two drives, and you know, yeah, I asked their offensive coordinator Tony Peterson about that. Afterwards, you know, he said that was the plan, and it just struck me as a little strange that like, when you have run the ball well, even against the best rushing defense in the country, maybe just try. And then give they it, did. Give it a try. Just try it once. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and the, and they didn't. And Chase Brown, you know, had one big run, and maybe mm-hmm. he could have had some more. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that game was maybe not set up for a lot of success for the Illinois offense, but they they went away from what they do. The best, and I think you know, if they're going to challenge Penn State, it's going to be with Chase Brown and Josh McCray. So I, I know that you know it's early on in Brett Bielema's uh, tenure so far, uh, but is that uh, the offensive line good as run blockers, good uh, uh, running backs, kind of that part working? Do you think that's indicative of him, the coach, and what he's going to bring to Illinois? Or is this kind of like, okay, this is what we have to work with. These pieces working in this specific way was what he was dealing with, and that's what's going to work. I think, you know, the sort of the book on Brad Bielma has been, you know, he's just this power run game guy. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, the, it's the Wisconsin in his background. Yep. Um, and yep. he does a lot of that, but if you really looked at his Wisconsin teams, um, and I think at Arkansas as well, they're pretty balanced offensively between the run and the pass. I think with this Illinois team, the strength certainly lies in the run game. Um, but in an ideal world, I know that you know, he's mentioned this, that he does want you know more balance. And he just has, he talks about complementary football a lot, mostly between you know the three phases, offense, defense, special teams. But, it applies to just the offense, and there has been a lot of complimentary football between the, the run game and the passing game. And the, the reason I ask is because this is going to kind of transition to the defensive line and what I've noticed on film, and kind of my issue with his statement about we don't have the guys up front 
to run what we want to run. We don't have the size, the strength, all that. But, but those are your players, right? So those are the players you have to work with. And what you, you chose this job to work here at Illinois with a four-down front from Lovey Smith in that Tampa 2 mold with guys that maybe are undersized compared to what you'd want to do. Do you think that this transition uh, has been fair on those guys? I know I'm, I'm painting my opinion into the question here, but like, is that, uh, do you think that that's been a, a, a good idea so far? Like, how has that part of the defense worked knowing that the pieces aren't fitting right now for what they want to do personnel wise? I mean, I think the defense has been, over the last five games, the, the brightest part about the Illinois football team. You know, Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator, he saw his team kind of get torched you know, a couple times in a row, UTSA, Virginia, and made some adjustments to personnel, um, a little bit to scheme, uh, just in terms of coverage. But you know, up front, you know, guys like Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton have been pretty good. I think maybe... I'm trying to parse Brad Bielma's words here, but just knowing the roster, like there's not a lot of depth up front. Mm-hmm. And you know, they've had a couple injuries that have hurt that depth as well. And But with Randolph and Newton, they've got two young guys that I think could be pretty good for them, you know, moving forward. And then it's just a matter of you know, adding to that because, you know, Rod Perry's another six-year, you know, player up front, you know, nose tackle that has been pretty good, but again, he's gone after mm-hmm. you know, this year. And there's just maybe fewer options, I think, for him to use, but um, there's a couple that'll be good. They just they just don't – there's at a lot of positions, positions they just don't have the, the numbers behind the, maybe those starting guys. Okay, so it, it – it, it... It is more about kind of the the terrain of what he's working with more so than saying these guys aren't the horses I need. It even though that's what he said. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I just there was there was part of that to me that when when I listened to that you get to choose what you do right and maybe you don't want to do it right away and maybe you 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 want to start instilling some things but it just seems like that's that's the coaching staff you're you're tasked with with playing and designing these systems for these players to accentuate their strengths and hide their weaknesses and if you're just saying well what we want to run they can't run it and and this is again this is a lot of what i've noticed on film of they're running tight fronts they're running nose tackle and they're they're trying to play a a more I, I guess a three down front with a modern twist and, and you've got guys that are 275 pounds playing linebacker and uh, I have those guys and Carney is the guy I'm thinking of in particular. How has he adapted to that role of being off the ball a little more playing the run from a little more depth? And then, you know, how has he created a pass rusher in those situations that come out of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess just with Owen Carney, you know, they are more of a, you know, three-man front, but he has his hand in the in the okay. dirt, in the grass, in the turf, whatever, a lot. I mean, okay. he's, he's not exactly your stand-up edge rusher. I mean, he'll do that some, uh, but more often than not, especially lately, you know, his hand has been on the ground and you know, going after the quarterback that way. Um, on you know, opposite side of him, you know, they made some moves, so it's been Seth Coleman more than Isaiah Gay. That's more your stand-up, you know, outside linebacker, defensive end, hybrid you know, mm-hmm. role. Um, 
but you know, and you know, Owens played well. And I think he, and he's gotten he's played better you know, after Ryan Walters did tweak his defense a little bit. You know, he has okay. adjusted the scheme and it's just to more suit, I think, you know, the players that he has. And you know, it's been successful. And you know, they've not given up, you know, a, any you know, big scoring games like they did, you know, at Virginia. Um, of course, you know, in a couple of situations where Illinois had the lead late, you know, the defense has given up one final scoring drive to the opponent that, that turned the outcome. But um, a lot of those instances, they've been kind of hung out to dry, you know, on the field forever just because the offense right. didn't gain any traction. Right. Uh, so it's kind of hard to evaluate the defense completely, you know, given, you know, just look at Wisconsin's game. The Badgers had the ball forty-three minutes. Yeah, well, part of that's the defense can't can't get off the field on third down, which is I think the lingering problem. But yeah. also, you know, the offense is just uh, you know, a lot of three and outs, and Blake Hayes is punting it back to Wisconsin. And, and Wisconsin ran the ball at obscene amount in that game. They threw the ball once in the fourth quarter, and I know that they were trying to bleed the clock, but still, like they threw the ball once in the entire fourth quarter. Uh, so the. Jake Hansen uh, has been a player that James Franklin mentioned in his press conferences, somebody that stood out. Uh, It's also someone that uh, Brett Bielema talked about earlier this week. What's the situation with him, and do we have any clarity on him at this point? Uh, No clarity yet, other than he won't play this weekend. And he has, let's see, he missed the Wisconsin game. Um, I think he came back to play against Charlotte, missed the Purdue game. So he's been in and out of the lineup with some some injuries all season really and the thing that you know that Brett Bielma said Monday that kind of stuck out to me was like that there would be an announcement on Jake you know later this week which I assume will come eventually but it didn't just the phrasing of that didn't make it sound like you know well Jake's going to be out this week but he'll be back with us next week it sounded like something potentially worse I mean I'm just guessing a little bit at this point but it uh, doesn't sound maybe like, you know, it's good news for Jake Hansen, which is, and he's been kind of the the rock of this Illinois defense for several years, and mm-hmm. you know, especially the last couple as he's been healthy. Um, but yeah, with him out of the lineup, you know, Tariq Barnes and Kalen Tolson have actually you know, played pretty well. Tariq Barnes has stepped up into you know, that, that Mike linebacker role and been one of Illinois better defenders, um, but again, I think you know they would. They prefer to have Jake Hansen back, and honestly, like through three fourths of one game, you know, CJ Hart was their maybe best defensive player in that Nebraska game, and and then he, you know, suffered a season-ending knee injury, you know, at the, at the end of that one. So, you know, they had some injury issues um, on defense, but uh, be curious to see what happens with, with Jake. Uh, the you mentioned getting torched early in the season, making some adjustments. One of the things that stood out to me is the, is the secondary seems to play pretty well together, and they do some more challenging things from that perspective. Have is that part of the change? And, and what have you seen from the back seven, especially the safeties and corners for Illinois? Well, there was some personnel changes and some scheme changes with the mm-hmm. secondary um, on a personnel front. Yeah, Tony Adams, who's you know a fifth-year player and a captain, yeah, a cornerback, yeah, has has been pulled out of the starting lineup and still you know, still getting 
lots of reps, of course, but you know they, they've gone a little younger occasionally on that front. And then Kirby Joseph has really solidified his his place at free safety, um, and can't take it away from him now. I mean, he's got six takeaways in the last five games. Um, so that's that on the personnel front. Uh, schematically, you know, Ryan Walters was playing a lot of you know man coverage to begin mm-hmm. to start the year. Um, that changed after the Virginia game, where they just couldn't stay, you know, with the Virginia wide receivers or their giant tight end. Um, so played more zone look, but it's, it's a mix. But you know, they really have moved away from just what was almost solely man coverage, and I think that's better suited, you know, the guys that they have. It's an interesting situation when you see some of that because they still will run man coverage at times. Do you, do you think that? Uh, part of that change will help in this game in particular, knowing the situation that Penn State has at quarterback, either starting a guy who did not look good versus Iowa or a freshman in Christian Veyu. One of those guys is going to be starting, uh, at least presumably. That's what we're, we're working on that assumption. Do you think that that particular unit can keep this game in the ballpark for Illinois, uh, knowing kind of Penn State's situation at quarterback? Well, I think they're probably going to have to, uh, just you know, regardless of you know who the quarterback is. You know, the thing I think, the thing with college football is like, especially maybe if you've got some younger quarterbacks in there, is like make eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds like make decisions, and, yeah, because they're not always going to make the right one. So, like, I think the coverage has to be on point, um, whether that's sticking you know in man or you know exploiting. You know, the opportunities that that zone coverage provides, where you, know, you just you know, there was a you know play in the Wisconsin game where you know, it was Kirby Joseph intercept interception, and you know Graham Mertz kind of floated a ball in there, but you know Kirby was playing back in zone and was able to do what a free safety does and you know jump over and you know take the ball. So I mean, yeah, there's got to be there's got to be that, and I think you know pass coverage is two pronged, like the, the defense front has to get some kind of pressure because there's been more than one instance this season where quarterbacks have just been able to kind of camp out in the pocket, do what they want and not be forced to make decisions in the moment. They have some time to think about it. Just, just don't give them that time. And I think (laughs) you can be pretty successful. Uh, So what's your, what's your read on Penn state and, and the matchup in this game? What are the places you're looking at as far as, key situations where Illinois may have an advantage or they may be able to take advantage of something that Penn State has? I think just based on the last several weeks, I mean, the Illinois defense, I feel like we'll force some turnovers. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just, again, that's, you know, the defense gets the offense the ball and then there hasn't been you know, a lot of points you know, off of the off those takeaways. Um, I mean, that, that's a... That was a strength under Lovey Smith was taking the ball away. Um, this team has kept that up, I and mean, it's same player, so I'm not surprised. But uh, it's just it's really all about the offense for me, and really the passing game has to. I mean, it doesn't have if it's Arskowski, if it's Brandon Peters, whoever. They don't have to go out there and throw for 300 yards, but they have to at least be competent and provide at least the idea to the Penn State defense. Okay. You just can't put eight, nine men in the box every down. Um, and, you know, Penn State's got a top 25 defense, like total defense in the country. I don't think that sets up well for Illinois. But um, 
if there can be any kind of maybe threat in the passing game to go with what I assume they'll go back to the run a little more. Um, you'd think, but it's just, there's gotta be a little balance there. And then that should maybe keep it competitive. I, I'm not, you know, I think the line's at 23 and a half for a reason. I'm not yeah. exactly projecting an Illinois win here, but it just, after the Wisconsin game, they just have to be more competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that I think is, would you say that's fair? That that's probably where they need to shoot for for the rest of the season is more competitive under Brett Bielma, making teams earn it. I, I, I hate to say these things about a team that probably doesn't think that way themselves, but is that a fair barometer or benchmark for this team? I think it is. And I mean, yeah, they're out there playing to win their last five games. And like that's how you have to approach it. But just from sort of the outside observer's perspective, like they're still a ways away from maybe winning and winning, or at least winning consistently, especially in the Big Ten. So just competitive football, I think it, that's the bare minimum. And they've had some of that. You know, they had close games against Maryland and Purdue and they just need to tap into that. Cause if they're, if it's close, then you never know. Like you can, you can win, but mm-hmm. you have to keep it close to have a chance. Scott Ritchie of the news Gazette joining us here on the BWI daily edition, giving you the insight on Illinois and what's going on under new first year head coach, Brett Bielema. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That'll do it for today on the BWI Daily Edition. Don't forget, stay tuned and come back tomorrow. We will have our observations of Penn State from their practice, which is coming up tonight. Nate Bauer joining me for the Bauer Hour, coming to you every Thursday here on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Talk to you tomorrow.